It's good to see you all this morning. I'm really glad to be back and excited for our time. Thank you very much. We had a fantastic study leave. It was very productive for me and very good time for our family. Thank you so much for praying. Thank you for your support in uh, this endeavor. And again, I am super, super thankful to be back home. And I will tell you on a personal level, it is really be good to come back to a place and you actually feel like you've come back home. And so that is a huge blessing. And thank you guys for that. Yeah, it's really good. So Tuesday is our day we celebrate independence. You got some plans for some big celebrations? I love Independence Day. I enjoy that time because of time with family. I'm excited about the celebrations that will ensue over the next few days. Some of us have gotten started earlier. Uh, as early as last Friday night, we got together and had a great time celebrating our freedom in our country. It was awesome. And if you were able to be there for that, I know you were blessed by that. If you weren't, look for it next year. I've heard rumors that we're going to do it again next year. And it was a lot of fun to get together and celebrate. I love Independence Day because of what it means for us as Americans. You probably know this, that when the United States, the colonies declaring their freedom from Great Britain, gathered together, they produced the Declaration of Independence and set aside this day as Independence Day, a day that would in hopes be celebrated for centuries to come. In fact, James, James Adams, one of the signers of the Declaration and future president of the United States, would state that he believed this would be one of the greatest celebrations that our nation would ever conduct. And he hoped that it would be filling the streets from coast to coast with celebration year after year. And he said that he believed that one of the things that should characterize our celebration of independence is solemn acts of devotion to the God Almighty. I like that. And I'm really thankful that I can encourage us today through God's word to make sure that solemn acts of devotion to God characterize our celebration of our freedom this very week. And so let's look together at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13. First Peter chapter 2 verse 13 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. To every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. This passage begins with the word submit to the governing authorities. That word submit is a military term. It's the term that would be similar to an enlisted soldier and how he responds to an officer, someone of lower rank and how 
he or she responds to somebody of higher rank. You know, in the military, there is a legal obligation for one of lower rank to obey the one of higher rank when given a command that fits within the framework of legality in the military. You receive a command from a superior officer, you are obligated to obey that command regardless of your personal preference. It does not matter what your preference is. When you're given a command by a superior officer, you are obligated legally to obey that command. That's the idea of submission. You don't have an option. You don't have a preference. You don't have an opinion. You just do what you're commanded to do. And God has commanded us to submit in that way to the governing authorities. Now we all know that when we submit in our country to the governing authorities, because of things like the Declaration of Independence, because of the things, the way our structure of authority is fleshed out in our country, we know that when we submit to the governing authorities in our country, that we get to experience the freedom that our country provides and protects. And we love that as Americans, right? We are grateful for that. We celebrate that. We make a big deal out of it. We buy lots of fireworks, all made in China, to celebrate our freedom in the United States. I mean, we do a lot of cool stuff to celebrate that. We're excited about that, and rightfully so. And we all know that we experience that freedom by way of submitting to the governing authorities. Now, you don't have to submit to the governing authorities of our nation, the laws. You can walk into a bank anytime you want and ask them for all their money with a gun in your hand. But you will quickly discover that freedom changes for you in that moment. The experience of our freedom is very much tied to how we submit to the governing authorities in our land. But this passage is not commanding us to submit to governing authorities because we get to experience the freedom that the land, the governing authorities protect and provide. There is a far more significant reason communicated in this passage. Now I've got great news for you this week. On Monday, this last week, our Supreme Court of the United States handed down a ruling in a case, the Trinity Lutheran Church um, versus Comer. And this decision was handed down a 7-2 ruling by the Supreme Court in the favor of Trinity Lutheran Church. You might be familiar with this case. It's a significant case when it comes to religious liberty. And this last week, the court ruled in favor of Trinity Lutheran Church. Now, Trinity Lutheran Church had a preschool that they had that was a part of their ministries, much like First Baptist. And their preschool wanted to apply for a public grant to get money to supply um, a surface for their playground. So they had a preschool playground, part of the ministries of the church. They wanted to apply for a grant to get surfacing for the playground. And the state of Missouri would not allow them to go through the application process for the grant simply because they were a church. And so the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Trinity Lutheran Church. In fact, the majority opinion by Chief Justice Roberts states in there the importance 
of our country not going against the past evidence of our Constitution being for the free exercise of religion and church and to not keep people from experiencing the benefit of public service just because they're a church. Not to cause people to choose between whether or not I'm going to be involved in this religious expression or whether or not I'm going to be able to receive this public service. It's the same principle so that if our church were on fire tomorrow, caught fire, burning to the ground, the, the fire department says we're not coming to put out the fire at First Baptist because that's a church and we are a government-funded agency. It's the same principle of play, and the Supreme Court decided in favor of the church saying we are not going to be a nation who requires people to say no to their religious beliefs and exercise thereof to be a part of general available service and benefits that our country provides. Now that is good news. And I'm grateful for that. If you're not familiar with it, look it up. Trinity Lutheran Church. The case that just got passed this last week. This is great news about our governing authorities doing something that really matters for us. This is the most important religious liberty case all year. And will have ramifications for years to come for you and I and our free exercise of our faith as a church. Now I'm grateful for that. And I want more good news, don't you? I don't want cloudy days. I want sunny days of good news. But here's the reality. We do not know whether or not the good news will increase or whether or not there will be a complete change in how our country approaches the expression of our faith as Christians. This passage is very clear. That the reason we submit to our authorities is not because they're making decisions that benefit us. The reason we submit to our authorities is for the sake and the glory of God. And it does not ultimately matter whether or not our authorities make decisions that directly benefit us or directly bring penalty to us. We are not submitting to them because we believe that the benefit to us will be the experience of the freedom provided to us by the governing authorities of the land. No, we submit to our governing authorities because this is God's glory at stake. It is our agenda as followers of Christ to obey the commands of God for His glory. And it just might be that obeying His commands does not result in a greater experience of freedom in our country. I hope that's not the case. But regardless, we are to be a people who submit to governing authorities because it's the Lord's glory at stake. You notice in this passage that the scripture says that we are to do this for the Lord's sake. And then in verse 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right, submitting to the authorities over you, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. The foolish people in this text are those who are living as if there is no God in direct opposition to those who subscribe to faith in Jesus Christ. 
And the scripture here tells us that the will of God for you and for me is to live in such a way under the ruling authorities that anybody opposed to what we believed will at worst be silenced in their opposition against us and at best be completely changed by what they see happening in us by their own faith in Jesus Christ. So our role as brothers and sisters in Christ, is to submit to the governing authorities for the glory of God so that by doing what is right, those in opposition to what we believe and exercise might see through us the reality of Jesus Christ. Do you know what we're being told here? We are being told in this passage that there is a far more significant freedom that should dictate how we live than any freedom we might experience in any given time in the country in which we live. There is the freedom that comes through faith in Jesus Christ that is far more significant than the freedom that is provided and protected by our nation right now for you and I to worship the Lord. Now, I want to remind you of how freedom works when we talk about the freedom that comes from God. We know how it works in our country, but think about how it works in terms of eternal freedom. The truth is, and this is what the Bible teaches, is that every single person outside of Jesus Christ is a slave to sin and death. We are in bondage to an authority over us whose intent is to destroy and kill us and leave us completely empty. None of us love that authority. We all find frustration over the fact that we do things we wish we wouldn't do, that we hurt people, that we love, that we do things we know are detrimental to our future and the betterment of those around us, that we have failures and mistakes we wish we could avoid. We all feel the weight and the burden of being in slavery to an authority that we don't want to be under anymore. And Jesus Christ came and he gave his life on the cross and he rose again from the dead so that he might provide to any and every person an opportunity to escape slavery to sin and death. So when we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are born again. We are born again out of slavery to sin and death and into slavery to God. We have a new master. Freedom is not the absence of authority. We should never think that our freedom is experienced outside of authority. It was independence from God that got us in trouble with slavery to sin and death. And it's coming under the authority of Christ through placing our faith in Him that we then experience eternal, the most significant freedom of all. We place our faith in Jesus Christ. We become his servants, his bond slaves. That's why the passage says, act as free people. 
But don't use your freedom as a covering for evil. Don't act like you have no authority in your life. That's not how you got your most significant freedom in the first place. We practice this principle every single day. We live under the authority of the land so we might experience the freedom the land provides us. That same principle is at play here in the scripture. We live under the authority of God so that we might experience the most significant freedom of all. Freedom from sin, freedom from slavery to fear and death. As people have been set free by the Lord, we now can live within a country submitting to our ruling authorities because we are operating on the basis of a more significant freedom. That's why it doesn't matter whether or not the governing authorities actually protect and provide our freedom as a church in an increasing measure or a decreasing measure. Because we're not acting in submission to the authorities of our governing land by what we get from them. We're acting in submission to the governing authorities of our land because of what we've received from Jesus Christ. He set us free. It's our freedom in Christ that gives us the ability to submit to the governing authorities. And we are challenged here to act as free people. And the greatest way for us to act as free people is to live under the authority of God as his bond slave. Free bond servants. It's living in that paradox that enables us to experience the most significant freedom of all. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from every human authority. Freedom from every institution. I am free through Christ. And we are to use that Freedom for the sake of God's glory. The former governor of Massachusetts, he was campaigning for a second term as governor. And he went all day working to gather votes and campaigning. And he skipped lunch in all of his busyness and efforts. He got to the time of supper. He was scheduled to be at a church, kind of a barbecue cookout. And so he showed up there, he was super hungry, he was going through the line like we often do, a buffet line, and he was coming up to the place where he could get some chicken. And he put his plate out, and the lady put one piece of chicken on his plate, and he was so hungry, he said, ma'am, would it be okay if I had two pieces of chicken? She said, I was instructed to give one piece of chicken to every person come through the line. Normally he would be all kind and be concerned about getting votes and Go right along with it. But this, he was so hungry. He said, ma'am, is there any way you could just give me one more piece of chicken, please? I am so hungry. She says, nope, one per person. And so against his better judgment, he said, do you know who I am? She kind of looked at him puzzled. And he said, I'm the governor of this state. She said, hmm, do you know who I am? I'm the lady who's in charge of the chicken. Now, move right along. I love that story. As a great reminder 
that we, every one of us, are holding out the plate of our life before the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's the one that's filling our plate. We have every reason to be a bond slave of God. He has given us life. And life is found in submission to Him. We submit to Him by giving Him our life and following Him with everything we are. And He supplies us the life for which we long. And from that place of receiving life from Christ, receiving freedom from Him, eternal and most significant, from that place we are able to then act as Free people, bond slaves of God, leveraging our freedom for the freedom of everyone else. That's exactly what this passage teaches. This passage teaches that we are a people who are free, who live under submission to authority, God's authority. So that we might live in a way that demonstrates who Christ is. So that others might see Christ and come to believe him. Silence the ignorance of foolish men. The greatest way to silence the foolishness of people who are against God. Is to show them Jesus Christ in such a way that they come to trust him as their own Lord and Savior. The way we are supposed to live as free people in Christ is to leverage our freedom for the freedom of everyone else. We are the only people in all the world who have been set free most significantly so that we might leverage our freedom for the rest of the world. There's nobody like us who have been set free through faith in Jesus Christ. So that others might be free. And so we're instructed here in this passage to honor all people. To love the brotherhood, to fear God, and to honor the king. I think it's interesting that there is this statement, honor all people and honor the king. I love that those are the bookends here, what's going on. So you think about people outside the church, regular people and the people to whom we answer, our authorities. And we as Christians are to use our freedom in Christ to live in such a way that all people are honored around which we live. So much so that the person who is least deserving of our honor would experience the same kind of actions as we would give the person most deserving of our honor. All people and the king are to receive honor. You think about the person in your life that is most deserving of honor. You think about the person that's least deserving of honor. It is the freedom that you have received in Jesus Christ that gives you the wherewithal to show honor, deference to anyone and everyone in your life. People no longer have to treat you a certain way to be honored because of the way Christ has treated you. 
The people who treat you poorly are not deserving of your honor, but you ascribe them honor because you have been given freedom through Christ. Here's the way Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. He says, I am free from all people. No person, no human institution. I am free from everything. But I have chosen to make myself a slave to all people so that I might win some to Christ. What we can do that no one else in the world can do is leverage our freedom to become bondservants of every single person around us so that they might be free. That's not easy. I mean, if you just sit and you reflect on your life, as I did in preparing this, and I think about the people that I interact with on a regular basis, I'm not sure that the way I interact on a regular basis with the people in my life looks like I am their slave. And yet, my freedom in Christ gives me the ability to live in such a way around others for the sake of their freedom by being their servants. I was reading about a guy who spent his life in China he went there in 1807 by way of boat. You know how long it took him to get to China? 113 days on a boat. You know why he wanted to go to China? 1807. Because he wanted Chinese people to come to Christ. 113 days at sea just to get there. He got there. You know what happened to him when he got there? Nothing good. He was ripped off. He was mistreated. He didn't know how to communicate. It was a complete wreck. It was a terrible experience. But you know what? He did not leave. For 27 years, he stayed in China, and he gave his life in that place. Hardly ever came home. He gave his life translating. He learned the language so that he could translate the Bible into Chinese. For 27 years, the early 1800s, in conditions I cannot even fathom, he gave his life to translate the Bible into Chinese and he tried to win people to Christ. In 27 years, he won less than 12 people to Christ and he gave his life to do it. Now, why would somebody do that? Because they'd already been set free by Jesus Christ and had become a slave to everyone for the sake of one person's freedom. You know what he said? He said the problem with our missions today that nobody likes to be second. But we can be. We can be everyone's servant. We can live our lives at inconvenience for the sake of someone else so that they might be set free. There's a question that's been going on in my mind. How will I leverage my freedom in Christ this next week for the sake of someone else's freedom?
Because people don't become free until they come to meet Jesus. And people don't meet Jesus until somebody who knows Jesus becomes their servant. The passage tells us to love the brotherhood. It's the church. We're to love the church. We're to love the church for the sake of everyone's freedom in the church and the experience of it. But it's, it's bigger than that. We're to love the church and everybody in it, again, for the sake of the freedom of those who are not yet free. The love that we experience and share in this community of believers is supposed to be so peculiar that the onlooking world sees what we do and they scratch their heads wondering how in the world are they able to do that? How can they love each other like that? And they're attracted by the love that we share to see and understand more about why we are so free. Even when we are offended. And I just want to kindly, graciously say to you that we ought to be a people who are willing to withstand injury from another brother or sister in Christ and love him or her anyway. We ought to be a people who are wounded by others who either intentionally or unintentionally wound us within the walls of this church family. And we are able to say to them, I love you. I will not hold this against you. I will not be bitter towards you. I will not treat you in a way that is not reflective of Christ. Christ has set me free and I am not responding to you in the way I love you on the basis of the way you love me. I'm going to respond to you on the basis of how Christ has loved me so you can love me any way you want to define it. But here's how I'm going to respond to you. How Christ has loved me, I'm going to love you. you you know some of the reasons why people leave church because they've been hurt you know why people get hurt because we've forgotten we've forgotten that we're slaves to God and he's promised to take care of every tear we shed And in Christ, we're free. And my longing is that we would be a place that is so uniquely loving and forgiving, caring and compassionate to one another that the outside world looks in and says, I've never seen a community like this. I heard somebody got backstabbed the other day. They're not holding a grudge. They've forgiven. And all of a sudden, reconciliation is happening. This is crazy. I cannot believe the amends that are being made for past sins and brokenness. No one in that place is angry with anyone else. Yeah, they sat in their seat. They've been sitting for 10 years, but they're not holding a grudge. Yeah, they took their coffee pot from their life group room that somebody else was supposed to have, but they're not holding a grudge. Yeah, the little kids came in and ate every donut hole that was there. Nobody older than five got a donut hole. You know, but we're not angry. I mean, I would love for people to see all the things that we do in community and see it so seasoned with the love of God that is beyond explanation. That, that happens when we live as bond slaves of God. Because then we have a most significant freedom that drives us to live for the freedom of everyone else. Th- th- this last phrase that I haven't touched on, fear God, that's really the bottom line. 
do we fear God? Because if we fear God, we live under his authority. And if we live under his authority, we are free from all other authorities. And we leverage that freedom for the sake of the freedom of everyone else. Do you fear God? Do you fear him? The commissioner of the Salvation Army back in the early 1900s was a man named Samuel Bringle. And Samuel Bringle was a very prominent leader in the Salvation Army in the United States, early 1900s, whose passion was to lead people to Christ. That's what he was about. He wanted to see the salvation of people's souls. And he leveraged his position as the commissioner of the Salvation Army in the early 1900s to do that very thing. One time he was introduced at a speaking gathering type deal as the great Dr. Bringle. He would later write in his diary these words. The axe cannot boast of the trees it is cut down. It's the woodsman that does that. The woodsman makes the axe, he sharpens the axe, he uses the axe. When the woodsman is done with the axe, if he were to cast it aside, that axe would simply be an old piece of iron. And he wrote, may I never forget that truth. The bottom line, whether or not we will leverage our freedom for the freedom of everyone else, is do we fear God? You know and believe that the only reason you have breath is because of God. The only reason you have any skill is because of the grace of God. The only reason that you have purpose right now in your life is because of God. Are you associating everything that God is with everything that you are? Do you understand that you have nothing outside of Christ? Do you fear God? Are you paying attention regularly to what he says? Or are you living your life as if what you think is good enough? Do you fear God? Do you have sins in your life that you're doing little or nothing about? Are you considering repentance? Do you fear God? Is who God is and what he says the very desire of your life? Because you understand that freedom, the most significant freedom of all, is found in submission to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you fear him? When you fear the Lord. You are free. And when you are free, you leverage your freedom as a slave to all for the sake of their freedom. There is no greater independence than that. You know, for centuries, Aristotle was believed when he taught that a heavier object falls at the same rate as a lighter object. That was what was accepted scientifically for centuries. 
you drop something heavier and something lighter, the heavier is going to hit first before the lighter object. Well, we know that that's simply not the case. And today we would all say, well, that's ludicrous. We all know that it doesn't matter how much something weighs. You put it in a vacuum, you drop those two things, they're going to hit the ground at the exact same time. That's how gravity works. But that wasn't the case years and years ago. And after centuries of believing that, Galileo was supposedly standing on the top of the leaning tower of Pisa. And he had a 10-pound weight and a 1-pound weight. And he pushed them both off the edge. And they fell all the way down to the ground. And they both hit the ground at the same instant. And it happened in front of a group of learned men that he had gathered together to show them this was not true. Heavier objects, lighter objects, they hit the ground at the same time. He gathered around, he showed them, and they sat there, arms folded. We don't believe you. They wouldn't believe him. And yet the truth was right in front of them. Independence Day. You're going to celebrate it. Please don't stand in front of the leaning tower of your world and see the truth right in front of you. That freedom is experienced under authority and not submit your life to Jesus Christ. There is nothing like the independence of being set free by Jesus Christ and then leveraging your freedom as a slave to all for the sake of their freedom. That is a freedom worth celebrating.